Welcome to Leatherbread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. Hello, and welcome to Leather Brains. I am back. It is Slapdog. I am him. He is me. And I am joined with my best friend, Scotty. That kind of rhymed, wow. right? Best friend? Yeah. Did You're that rhyme? Cry. Oh, I don't, don't, know. don't I was, cry. Don't cry. I was too touched. Oh, sweet heavens. You did a great job. You carried, you carried, uh, carried the load, pun intended, very well in our absence. So thank you for that. You did a great job. I just wanted to say time. that you had I enjoyed a, ranting to myself in the basement <laughs> like a crazy person. You did have one terrible take. We talked about it off air. The Cardinals thing was that was probably the, the worst thing I heard. But for the most part, it was, it was wonderful. So I, 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 uh, I think you did a great job. So thank you for that. If this is your first time here. As I mentioned, I am back and Yeti is not back. He is our, our uh, Thursday episode guest. We were in Vegas Things got a little crazy, and Yeti, uh, he could not make it onto this episode, so he is not here. So it's just Scotty and I today, but we do have He's a on lot. The IR, as he, you said. On, he did. He, he let us know he was on the IR, and understandably so. I mean, we were there for his bachelor party, so some things happened. But um, today, we, it, like I mentioned, it's just Scotty and I. We're going to be, be going over some of the pertinent news for the upcoming week of NFL, which in turn means fantasy football. Our starts and sits of the week. And then, um, Scotty, it looks like you have a hot take today, so that'll be pretty exciting. And then we're going to do some Brainiac questions to wrap this whole shebang up. So, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. As per usual, we have nothing but bright and cheery news for all of you Brainiacs out there, starting with the fact that Brees Hall did, in fact, tear his ACL. This is old news at this point in time because it's been uh, in the headlines for several days now, but... It is official. He is done for the season. Um, that sucks a lot for me mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he was somebody who, and I think that things get a little bit more interesting from here because, as we all know, James Robinson has been traded to the Jets for a six-round pick that becomes a conditional fifth-round pick if he gets, I think it's like 500-ish more rushing yards on the year than uh, then that becomes a fifth-round pick for the the Jaguars. So this gets interesting. Because there are there are a couple things that we can look at here. Brees Hall tore his ACL very obviously, like you just mentioned in his ACL. That means he has to repair that. That's going to take some time. What does he look like when he comes back? All things that I think a lot of people now, especially in a dynasty format, like what do you do with him? Because there was a case to be made that Brees Hall was going to be a top 10 pick next year. Like that was a very realistic expectation for this young man. Now... Who knows? Like what what happens with him? And and in a dynasty format, what do you do with him? Because now he's got to sit in your IR spot. Does he come back? It is worth noting, and I think that this is this is what makes me excited. Is James Robinson? He's on the last year of his contract, so he's going to come in. In my opinion, he's going to come in and be like a. I think there is a case to be made that he will win the job for Michael Carter. It's not going to be this week, and I think we're going to touch on that here a little later. But. Um, there's a case to be made that James Robinson is going to be kind of that Brees Hall-esque type person to fill in, which is great. But he is in the last year of his contract. So after this year, James Robinson becomes an unrestricted free agent. And James Robinson has looked pretty dang good when he's given the opportunity to do so. What does that mean for his future? And and I think if you're a dynasty owner of James Robinson, this is probably the best case scenario for him because now he can go show that he's still got a lot of juice left in the tank after that Achilles injury and be able to pick up another contract somewhere and, and fingers crossed, maybe be a lead back. Yeah, th- this is the Josh Jacobs treatment that we're going to see, hopefully, from uh, or for James Robinson. Uh, we're going to have the same conversation uh, over the course of this season and into next season. Um, how are they going to use him? Are they going to use him as, okay, we got one contract year left on him, so we're going to run the shit out of him and keep the rest of our guys healthy until Brees Hall comes back? Or are they going to say, well, we just kind of need him as a depth piece and we're going to have a committee situation. And uh, so so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But I think you're right. I think there's a very good chance. James, James Robinson looks very, very good. He has looked good. Um, and I think he's got an opportunity here. You know, Michael Carter is arguably also one of the most efficient 
backup running backs in the league right now. He is very efficient when, and we're going to touch on this in a little bit as well, but he is someone who gets the job done when he gets the carries. Uh, but James Robinson looks more explosive. He looks better. So we'll have to see how it all plays out, but it is exciting. It's definitely interesting the way these running back rooms are kind of intermingling and switching up. All right, next up on the list, Mac Jones has been named the starter. Uh, I think just per Twitter sources, I think the, uh, 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 Bill Belichick came out and basically said, well, we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, there have been several Twitter sources now or several reporters who have come out and said, Mac Jones, he took 90% of the first team reps. He's going to be starting. So we'll see how that goes. That uh, team is kind of going through an Woof. interesting time right now. Woof. That was that was a brutal look. A lot of like the the primetime games have been atrocious to watch, and we can add that one to the list. The, the Pats-Bears game was rough i believe if if my my alcohol induced brain was correct um i believe i heard that the fans were cheering for zappy to go out there so bill belichick gave them what they wanted and maybe it wasn't what they wanted because it wasn't great it was it was very rough and uh and i think at this juncture mac jones is probably should be the starter but either way it's 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 not a good look for the entire Patriots organization because now you're there's kind of a, a question mark as to the future of this franchise because I think going into the year, a lot of people just presume that Mac Jones was going to be like the face of the franchise and let's build around this guy. But now I think that kind of makes it just a little more murky. Yeah, they need to do themselves a favor and just continually hand the ball to Ramondre, make it easy on themselves. <laughs> do you own and shares of Ramondre? Is that why you stayed that? No, no, I don't. I, I wish I did, but I was not high on that backfield uh, you know, throughout the entire offseason. But it's really turned out that Ramondre, and we're going to talk about this also in a little bit, but Ramondre is uh, doing pretty well, so I like him right now. Uh, we also have word that Mike Williams is out for at least four weeks with that ankle injury. Uh, Keenan Allen is looking pretty interesting here coming up as he gets healthy. Uh, yeah, I think that even I think this last week he was slated to he could be a participant if they needed him, but they ended up not really using him. And so now with Mike Williams out, it's a good thing Keenan Allen's back. And it's it's got to be frustrating because this team can't seem to get healthy. I think Josh Palmer becomes an interesting ad. And I, I know that we kind of already went over the waiver wire ads, but um, Josh Palmer is now a, he's kind of been that consistent wide receiver too for this team because they continue to have injuries and he's only 33% rostered. So if you're looking for a, a wide receiver, I would definitely go grab Josh, but pause the podcast for just a moment, go check your waiver wires and see if Josh Palmer is available because I would be grabbing him if I were you. Yep. Yep. For at least the next few weeks, that's going to be a good look for sure. Um, uh, not a good look for Algier owners because Cordero Patterson is slated to return in week nine. Now, Algier has not been particularly efficient, not been particularly explosive, but again, he's on a team that refuses to pass the ball. So he's had some value there. But once Cordero Patterson comes back, we're going to have to see how this offense shakes out because they they have indicated that they'd like to use Cordero Patterson out wide and maybe keep Algier in the backfield more often than not. But I have a hard time believing, given how inefficient Algier has been, I think they're going to want Patterson in the backfield for the rest of the season. So we'll have to see how that goes. But either way, definitely fewer touches coming for Algier in the near future. Yeah, and, and that's something that needs to be monitored. But it is also worth stating, as I've mentioned many a times, Cordell Patterson is getting kind of old, right? So we I, rather, I think I had stated something like, Cordero Patterson, he's 31 years old. There is a good opportunity for Al Jair because that's the, you know, that's his competition is a 31 year old wide receiver converted running back. So the whole Falcons organization is pretty gross at the moment. And I agree with you. It is, it, it I don't see Patterson going back into a wideout role because they don't throw the ball enough for it to really matter. And they'd rather get the ball in his hands because he makes plays. But it's going to be something worth noting. I think Al Jair would then kind of return to a handcuff-esque role. But with Patterson's age and his the way that this Falcons team is using him, he's definitely worth keeping on your roster if you can muster it. Yeah, and make sure you hit the prayers tonight for uh, Desmond Ritter. So I'm, I'm just praying for that guy. Not because anything bad happened to him, but because just, I would like you to You want him on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Amon Dog is still in a red, no-contact jersey at practice on Wednesday. This is not surprising given how weird the league is right now with concussion protocol. I would say do not count on him playing in this upcoming game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think the that sucks. 
<laughs> I, I don't think it does. I know it sucks for anybody who owns Amon Ra because he came out of the gates just just like he's, he ended last season with. He was explosive. He was finishing as a top 10 wide receiver every single week, and he was killing it. And then he's struggled to stay healthy, and that's a problem. So, And I think this whole Lions offense really is struggles without him on the field because I think Jared Goff really had had been looking to him and, and getting, it, getting it done with him. So it, it sucks. It all's also worth noting, as I mentioned on, on previous episodes that um, Jamal Williams is somebody who, if you have an IR spot and it's completely empty, go see if this guy or not Jamal Williams, excuse me. It's um, Jamal Williams is the running back there. Jamison Williams. His name is Jamison Williams. Go get him, put him on your IR spot because he is a rookie that had an ACL tear in the championship game for college last year. And I think he's going to be a really usable part of this offense as well. And uh, Dan Campbell had come out and said that they expect him to return at some point and play this year. So go grab him. He's free. If he's sitting on your waiver wire and just throw him on your IR. That's what I recommend doing because the lions need help at wide receiver. And he is that answer for them. Moving on here. Julio is listed as a game time decision for Thursday and Russell Gage is officially ruled out. This team cannot get healthy and they have a tough matchup here against the Ravens. You have any insight here? What an abysmal game that Panthers Bucks game was last week. I actually, you know, we were in Vegas. We did a group parlay and I thought I want to choose something that will hit hundred percent. So I can't be at fault if it doesn't. So I chose the Bucks. I'm like, Oh, they're like, I think the the it was minus 700 or something. And I'm like, this is great. I'll pick the Bucks. They'll beat the shit out of the Panthers. Life will be good. And then they lost, and they looked like shit, and I was so oh, frustrated. Dude. They looked incredibly bad. So like, bad. at everything. Every aspect of the game, they failed at miserably. Although I do think if Mike Evans catches that touchdown at the beginning of the game, I think the whole game goes differently. I think that set the tone for the team to just suck for the entirety of all four quarters. It was awful. I don't know if it's Tom Brady is uh encapsulated with Giselle and and his divorce. I don't know. But I did I did see a report that kind of is a little fucky. He didn't fly with the team. He went to Robert Kraft's birthday and and then he just decided to meet him there and that's not a team guy. He could have made it back in time to then fly with the team, be with the team, practice with the team. That would kind of bug me is if I was a player on the Buccaneers and my leader just decided not to show up and, and do his own thing. That would kind of rub me a little bit the wrong way. We got to think too, like I, I, I really like, we all know Tom Brady's old, but we don't really put it into context. This dude is like almost 20 years older than a whole shitload of the players on this team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's part of the problem that a lot of people have like, as they play into their older age, they're, they're not able to bond with their team. Like they were when they were all around the same age. So Tom Brady is dealing with a two decade gap between him and like everyone else. Like it's gotta be difficult to, to establish yourself as the, the like uh, the player leader, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. obviously knows he's Tom Brady he's the greatest there ever was, but as the player leader, someone who's relatable, someone that you can build a relationship with and, and, and form that bond. It's gotta be tough for him to do that with everyone being so much younger than him. Yeah, and it, like it, I just bring this up as an example, um, the Chiefs' wide receiver room was trolling Kyler Murray and had stated that they uh, they were all playing Warzone together and got like three wins in a row or some shit. So they and they were long story short, they were they were trolling Kyler Murray. But the, I think the important thing to note is like they're a team. They're hanging out, you know, whether it's with video games or or in person. They're hanging out outside of work. They're building a relationship and. If you're not doing that, you're you're really hurting your yourself and your team for that reason. So I, I think there's some credence to what you're saying there. I, I agree with you. Yeah, the books just look rough all the way around, but they we'll do. have to see. It also needs to be said that everyone who comes out and talks shit on Tom Brady regrets it like two months later when he decides to make a run for the Super Bowl out of nowhere. Except Antonio so, Brown. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. He calls him Tom Booty. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. But I'm just saying you can never he's sort of like LeBron James. You can never count him out. Like even when they when they're doing terrible, he always has the potential to put the team on his back and make something happen. So don't count him out. But man, they look like they really suck right now. Yeah. Um, on more positive news, Elijah Moore is expected to play week eight. Is there anything you'd like to say about that? Um, no. Not particularly. Elijah Moore wanted to trade away from the Jets because they weren't using him the way he felt, and the Jets told him to go pound sand. So I, I think that, yeah, he's probably going to be back on the field. He is talented. 
Yeah, but maybe they'll use them even worse now just to rub it in. We'll see. Um, this could potentially form into big news here. Zeke is not practicing today or did not practice today due to a knee sprain. I have not seen anything on his official status. I've seen no indication that he's not going to play, but I've also seen no positive affirmation that he will play. And of course, if Zeke is out, Tony Pollard, who looks like the better running back, who's the pass catching running back, is going to have the backfield to himself. And that would be huge for a lot of fantasy managers. Yes, something to monitor. If Zeke does not suit up, Tony Pollard is a play because he is he's getting the bell cow work. So I, I really haven't seen a whole lot on this myself either, but it's definitely worth mentioning because they're playing the Bears, who are not a good defense. They just traded away a really good defensive piece for them to the Eagles. So it was a pass rusher. Um, yeah, Tony Pollard's a must play if Zeke's not going to play. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that last week was the first week uh, I think like ever that Tony Pollard actually outsnapped Zeke. So I don't know if that's because of some nagging injury or whatever, but uh, if that starts a trend, that, that's the same sort of sort of trend that helped people predict like Travis Etienne. Um, that you see this sort of younger back uh, who looks explosive but isn't getting a lot of the work, and then they slowly start to take over that role. And hopefully that's a step in that direction because that'd be better for everybody if if Tony Pollard just took over the role. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, I just I think that and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but I, I'm I'm pulling up the stats as we speak. I think Zeke's under contracts for a very long time, unfortunately, and that makes it really difficult to try and um, give his starting role to somebody else. Yeah, he's under contract until holy shit. he has a potential out after this year, and I hope the team takes it. But if not, he's under contract until 2026 with the Cowboys. Jesus. What a That's stupid insane. contract. That's so bad. So hopefully yeah. they take the, the out. God, I would make me feel so terrible for Tony Pollard. And not only that, but Zeke is like he he's almost touchdown dependent at this point in time because he gets that goal line or that goal line work. But Pollard, Zeke has had zero, like zero involvement in the passing game. So Tony Pollard has all of the upside on that front. Plus, he passes the eye test a little bit better. Um, man, that would just really suck if he's, if we're stuck with this guy for another four years. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. Okay. Russ should be back in week eight. And as I mentioned in the last episode, that kind of makes you a little gaggy, uh, that we're really looking forward to Russ coming back, but we are, is the bottom line. We're going to talk a little bit about Cortland Sutton later. He really benefits from this. Um, and the offense is better with Russ and Russ has a better opportunity to turn the offense around than anybody else does. Yep, Russ, they were had an eight-hour flight and with the whole team, and Russ was doing high knees and working out for four out of the eight hours while everybody else was sleeping. So yeah. l- let's eat, baby. Russ is back. I really, just the contrarian in me, you know me, I always like to take the, the, the side that maybe is least popular because I enjoy that. I really want to like Russ for that reason, but he just hey, makes it no. so hard. Yeah, he is so, so like, just, he's so, yeah, exactly. He's cringeworthy. He just says and does things that makes you just go. He's like Tim Tebow kind of in that did way. Did you see? Okay. Like, Dude, while on. we're talking about Russ, did you see he had a Subway commercial that was actually pulled from uh, airing because it was so cringy? Have you seen that before? Well, I've never actually seen the commercial, but I've seen people have edited the shit out of that commercial because people people say it sat, it like looks like a hostage video and it like looks like he's <laughs> trying to kill somebody. And so there are people who have edited it and put like creepy ominous music in the background. And then someone will like edit themselves into the video, like tied up on a chair. And Russ is like, you ever, you ever done something dangerous? And the guy's like, Oh God, no, <laughs> they're pretty funny videos, but I've never actually seen the commercial, but it seems like it's it would bad. be pretty terrible. Yeah. He's almost as bad of an actor as the rock, but we'll let that lie. Uh, Jameis Winston is healthy, but it has been announced that Dalton, will be the starter for this upcoming game, which I think is the right move. Um, Dalton's been it's playing pretty well. Bullshit. No, it's fucking bullshit. I want Jameis back. Yeah, Dalton's fine, whatever. I'm pro-laser Jameis until he he turns into a a hand, or a backup quarterback in the league, which he's, very, he's approaching very quickly. I want laser Jameis on the field as much as possible, just because he's a complete wild card. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that Jameis is definitely the more explosive of the two, but he also has the higher potential for turnovers until last week when we saw Dalton throw three interceptions, although two of them yeah. were Um You saw Dalton throw three interceptions, which kind of negated the argument that, okay, this guy is just a little bit more poised. He makes a little bit smarter decisions, even if you're sacrificing some explosiveness. But I think the general rule of thumb here is that Jameis is the starter, 
Um, but they want him to come back fully healthy. He's still dealing with that back injury. They don't want to bring him back too early, especially if Dalton is, besides last week, pretty much getting the job done, doing an okay job. So they don't want to rush him back. But overall, I think Jameis is going to be the number one guy once he's good to go. Uh, and speaking of people who are good to go, DeAndre Swift, great news here. He does practice in full today. Expect him to be on the field, hopefully not in a limited capacity this upcoming matchup. That's exciting. DeAndre Swift coming back, I'm actually pretty excited for because he is an explosive running back who really hasn't done much this year due to injuries. So him coming back has got to be really exciting. Obviously, he was not somebody, you know, he's just been chilling on people's benches. Um, and you finally get a guy back who could potentially help you win that championship for fantasy. So sign me yeah. up. Yeah, and it's right on time too because in a couple different leagues, I've got Swift and I've got Brees Hall. Um, so mm. losing Brees Hall and getting Swift back is uh, going to save me a little bit, and I'm sure a lot of people are in that boat. So happy there. Uh, also, James Conner did return to practice, so we should see him back in full during this matchup here. Are you, as a Cardinals fan, excited for this, or do you still think maybe the team plays a little bit better when he's not on the field? I have thought that for a couple weeks now. It was just kind of a little idea that popped into my head, but I think they kind of do. Uh, realistically, I don't want James Conner to come back as a fantasy football fan because I own a shit ton of shares at Eno Benjamin, but... As a Cardinals fan, I think he is he's better than Eno. I wonder if there's a world in which both him, it, this becomes more of a split backfield between him and Eno because Eno's actually looked pretty usable and and pretty pretty well. Um, so I'm curious to see how this progresses. But obviously DeAndre Hopkins coming back, they're they're getting some of their pieces back here in this offense, and I'm I'm, I'm excited. I want to see more out of Kyler. Yeah, and he should he should have an opportunity with with the addition of Robbie Anderson. They have that deep ball threat again. Obviously, Hopkins is a is a great talent at receiver. They're starting to get their pieces back. Once Hollywood comes back, you're going to see a very good receiver core here for him. So he just has to start throwing the ball a little bit better, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, this might be the worst news for you, Slapdog. Mark Andrews did not practice on Tuesday. I have seen no additional reports from today, Wednesday. Um, about him. So I haven't seen anything saying he's going to be out, but he is officially still listed as questionable with his nagging injury. Obviously, if he doesn't play, that's going to be a big blow to a lot of people. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Um, I own Mark Andrews in every single fantasy league that I play in because I didn't want to play tight end roulette. And so I bought in on him. I hope he, uh, I hope he gets healthy. I hope he plays, but um, if he does not play, it is worth mentioning Rashad Bateman, I believe, is back and doing okay. So watch that because Bateman will end up, I think, feasting in the absence of Mark Andrews. Yep, yep, 100%. And that rounds off the news. Okay, let's get into our starts and our sits of the week. Hey, yo, boss, what's going on? Sit down and shut up. Uh, shut up and sit down. Oh, shut up and sit down. Are you going to shut up and sit down? Shut, shut up. up. And sit down. Sit down and shut the fuck up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Sit down and shut up. Scotty, would you like to start with your start of the week or would you like me to go? I'll go I ahead know. and knock it out. Mine mine is kind of a cheap, uh, cheap first one anyway, because everyone who has this guy is gonna be playing him. But I just wanted to outline how efficient I think Miles Sanders is going to be for this upcoming matchup. He's fresh off this bye week, so Miles Sanders is going to be healthy, he's going to be rested, and he's going to look to return to form as the bell cow in Philly. Now, the Eagles are currently ranked at number three in the league in rush rate, meaning they're running a lot. And a lot of that is Jalen Hurts, but a lot of that also is Miles Sanders. And they are a massive home favorite against the Steelers. So expect them to run the ball a shitload. This is more of uh, some advice here for maybe our D-Gens in the audience who are looking to throw some bets down. I think pretty much no matter what the line is, uh, as far as a player prop bet for Miles Sanders and yards, I'm taking the over. I think he is going to be used a lot, and he's going to be very, very efficient this week. Does, and I'm, I'm going to ask this question. So they're playing Pittsburgh, who is gives up 118.9 yards on average to the rush. Are you afraid that Justin Hurt or Jalen Hurts is going to vulture any of those those yards from Miles Sanders that would be pretty prominent? Well, it's going to be the same as it is every week with this team. And the fact of the matter is, yes, Jalen Hurts is absolutely going to vulture some of those rushing carries and even rushing touchdowns. But they run the ball enough that Miles Sanders is still going to eat. 
Um, so I am not afraid of him at all. And I think in this particular matchup with uh, being heavy favorites as they are, they're going to rely on Miles Sanders a lot. I think, you know, Jalen Hurts, uh, obviously they designed some runs for him, but he gets most of his rushes from scrambling in the pocket, meaning he gets a lot of his yards on broken plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not going to have as many broken plays if you're designing runs to the running back. And I think they're going to do that a lot this week. Okay. My first start of the week is Tyler Aljair. We talked about him a little bit earlier and how Cordero eventually is going to come back. But uh, Tyler Aljair, he's really not getting a ton of spotlight in the fantasy football community. And uh, that's I, I got him as my start of the week because I think that, that there's there's an argument to be made here, right? So Aljair, he's been the lead back for the Falcons, and the Falcons are running the ball a lot. Has Aljair been extremely efficient with these runs? No. But they're playing against the worst, one of the worst, rushing defenses in the Panthers they're allowing 120 yards per game on the ground I think this is this is going to be a decent out, outing for Al Jair and if you're looking for that flex or RB2 role with with people on by I like putting Al Jair in there because I think that the the matchup is there for me so that is my first start of the week does it make you nervous at all that the uh, Panthers offense actually looked pretty damn good against the Bucks and that maybe the uh uh, I, can't, I can't even say this with a straight face. I was going to say maybe the game script is against Al Jair, but it's clear that it doesn't matter what the game script is. They're not going to throw <laughs> yeah. the ball well, that's what it, no matter exactly. what. That's what I was going to state is, you know, even if they're down, they're probably still going to run the ball because that's all that the Falcons are doing this year. So, um, no, it doesn't concern me enough to to make me stray away. I, I would play Al Jair if I owned him. Yeah, that's fair. All right, my next start of the week is Michael Carter. So, yes, it is true that the Jets acquired James Robinson, which will limit Carter's usage for the rest of the season. But this week is the week to play him because James Robinson likely hasn't gotten worked into the offense too much yet. He'll only have a few practices before that game. So expect Michael Carter to be the bell cow. Now, Michael Carter, in games throughout his career with 12-plus rushing attempt, he's averaged over 83 yards per contest. So that is perfectly usable. And you add some touchdown upside there, I think he's going to be great this week. And they're facing off against a Patriots defense that has been bad against the run. So get in on Michael Carter while you can before he becomes less fantasy relevant. Uh, so you do, in fact, think that – are you a believer that Robinson will end up taking over that role long term? Taking over, I don't know, but it's definitely going to be a split backfield. Um, you know, I, I think there's pretty much no doubt about that. Uh, Michael Carter, like I said, he's 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 efficient when he gets the ball, um, but the fact of the matter is he's never really been able to maintain that RB1 role. So I think uh, best-case scenario for Michael Carter is you have a pretty even split. I think worst-case scenario, you're going to see James Robinson come in and, and start to take over the majority of the carries. Um, but either way, this week I think Michael Carter is the safe bet. Between your two starts of the week, would you rather play Michael Carter or would you rather play Miles Sanders? Miles Sanders, 100%. Okay. Um, Raheem Mostert or Michael Carter? Mm, who do the 49ers have? Mostert's playing for the Dolphins. Oh, I'm sorry. Who do? The, oh yeah, <laughs> that was a blast from the past. <laughs> who do uh, the, the Dolphins Lions. have? They're playing the Lions. Ooh. Those That's are both pretty tough. good. Yeah, make that a toss-up. I'd be happy with either of them. I do think Michael Carter is going to be good this year, but if I'm considering the long-term implications, if you've got both of them, um, I don't know. Mostert's the better long-term play, so I'll say him, but really I'd be happy this with This week either. if you own both shares. Put one in your flex. <laughs> I think I'd play Raheem. I think he would be my go-to, <laughs> but I like Michael Carter this week if you own shares of him because he is slated to be the, the only person in that backfield. So uh, my next up... Scotty, it is ass-eating season, baby. And that means E-T-N. That's eaten. Yeah, that was terrible. That was awesome. Uh, with the news of Robinson being traded to the Jets, it solidifies ETN's position as the lead back in this offense. Over the last few weeks, it pretty much already was, but now there's zero question as to, you know, can I trust him? Should I put somebody else in? ETN is facing a formidable Broncos defense, but with him becoming a bell cow back, I think that he's he's a lock for me this week, and I think he can safely be locked into your lineup most weeks. So this is kind of a cheat a little bit, and I understand that, but uh, ETN's getting the head nod from me. All right, and my final start of the week is Mr. Jalen Waddle. He's another guy that's, uh, you know, 
people have been kind of underwhelmed by him, given the fact that Tyreek came in and took over that wide receiver one role. But the fact of the matter is, is that Waddle's still been pretty damn good. And he's going to be a smash play this week against a Lions team that ranks 30th in defensive adjusted value over average against wide receiver two. So expect Jalen Waddle to have a better than average week. And keep in mind, Waddle is averaging almost 12 yards per target this year and has 88 or averaging over 88 yards per game. So the touchdowns have not been uh, plentiful for him, but expect this week that he is going to be better than average. Yeah, but he's still on a, in a PPR for PPR format. He's wide receiver seven on the year. So, I mean, he's still somebody who, yeah, you're going to play him and you should play him every single week because he is doing very well. So this last person, if you still own DJ Moore for some crazy reason, this is the week where I would be playing DJ Moore. By some grace of the heavens, Carolina came out and they beat the Bucs this last week and Moore had his usability. And I don't, I, I don't think this trend continues, to be honest with you, but Moore is playing the literal worst passing defense in the game this week against the Falcons, and it is arguably his best matchup of the season. I would feel pretty comfortable playing him this week if you do own DJ Moore. Gross. Then trade him after that. Yeah, no, we'll drop him. Yeah, actually, you probably could trade bait somebody off of two good games. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, do that. I think so. Trade bait him. All right, Scotty, who you got for your first sit this week? Yeah, first sit, depressing for a lot of people in the fantasy world, but it's Damian Harris. So there were a lot of people who were looking forward to Harris's return to action this last week, expecting him to get an immediate role in like a committee format. Um, but those people were very disappointed because it appears this backfield is now heavily geared toward Ramondre. And I expect that to continue going forward. Last week, Harris only saw three touches for eight yards and two targets. So he's the clear number two in this backfield. So it doesn't have a total loss of value, but as of right now, he's basically just a handcuff. Um, so I am not, uh, not starting Harris and I would consider dropping him if you really need bench depth. Okay. My first sit of the week. This is a broad generalization, but it is all of the jets wide receivers to include Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, any of them. Because Zach Wilson returned to the fold, and I was less excited about the wide receiver room in this offense, and I think it's been shown. The only piece of this offense that looked incredible was Brees Hall. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL. And now the Jets are playing New England this week, which is a great passing defense. I don't believe that Wilson is going to get it done. If you're on the fence with any of these wide receivers, I would be sitting them this week because I don't like the matchup. I'm not sold on Zach Wilson. And for fantasy purposes, I just can't trust it. So I, I would sit any of the Jets wide receivers and feel comfortable with it. Do you think the loss of Brees Hall is going to benefit the passing game? I actually I thought about that. That's a really good question because when we were coming up with our starts and sets this week, that crossed my mind. And I was like, man, without him, maybe they'll have to pass the ball more. But I just I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I really don't think he is a great quarterback. And uh, he's not certainly not producing for fantasy football. But we saw what these wide receivers were doing when Joe Flacco was on the field throwing the ball 50 times. And they like somebody like Garrett Wilson was doing really, really well. And since Wilson has returned, you can't trust any of these receivers. I don't know. I really don't. And I I. I just don't know if I trust Zach to throw the ball well enough. The nice thing was, is with Brees Hall, he was checking the ball down to his running back. That's not a hard read for quarterbacks to make, which made it efficient for for Brees Hall and Zach Wilson a little bit for those PPR players. But until James Robinson, you know, I, I think that's going to be what he continues to do because that's it's the easiest option. And I, I don't think Zach Wilson is a great quarterback. I really don't. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my next sit is really depressing for me, but it is the uh, the tandem over there in Atlanta, Drake London and Kyle Pitts. We've reached that point. You know, I, I personally have a lot of shares of these guys. Unfortunately, I've given a lot of leeway because both of them are so extremely talented. But at this point in time, based on what we saw last week with the game script, like the game script could not have been better for these guys. And they still only threw the ball 13 times, which is just embarrassing. It's just inexcusable. And at this point in time, there is no situation in which you can trust trust one of these guys because even in the best possible scenario for him, they're going to max out at like three, four targets. Um, you know, Drake London had an okay start to the year, but in the last several weeks, he's basically done nothing, and it's because he's not getting any opportunities. Uh, there are some fantasy players that are so good, they're matchup proof. There are people you're going to play no matter what, and these guys are the complete opposite of that. So if you're relying on these Falcons to pass the ball, you're going to starve. 
and regardless of the the game script or the opponent. So um, it's just rough. It's rough. So I'm, as I said last episode, I'm not dropping these guys yet because they're so talented. If anything changes, I think they have an opportunity to be usable, but I am looking for other options in my starting lineup for sure. So what do you, I mean, what are you hoping for? Like what, what's best case scenario for these guys? Desmond Ritter. Okay. At this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I just wanted to know if you shared that same sentiment. I think Desmond Ritter, at some point, I would like to see him because Marcus Mariota, I, I don't think Arthur Smith tr- trusts Marcus Mariota to throw the ball, yeah. which is why Clearly they're running. Clearly not. Yeah. yeah so and, it's it's, it, well, and it's tough because I, the reason I think Desmond Ritter has a good shot of getting some chances here is because they, they're not going to win by handing the ball off to Algier uh, when they're down by several scores. They're not ever going to win doing that. Perhaps this is called a classic tank. Tank yeah, for maybe. first. Well, and that that's also a good possibility now that you say that because there's almost 100% chance that these guys go out and draft a quarterback. Um, I, I really think that's going to happen. I, I'd, be, I'd be less confident in that if they had already given Ritter a shot, but they haven't. And that leads me to believe that maybe they don't trust him as much either, that they're just willing to hand the ball off until they lose every game uh, rather than play him. So I, I think that there's a very good chance they go pick a young quarterback up. So if we still see them only run the ball over the course of the season, then yeah, I think we can chalk it up to that. Uh, but I do have significant hope that Ritter is going to get a shot to come out and throw the ball a little bit. And that's basically the only chance you have in redraft leagues of these guys being usable or or at least uh, you know outside of random games here and there where they have usable point totals. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, they're, they're not reliable is the bottom line. Yeah, I, I agree. This next, this is another group. I cheated a little bit on today's sits this week, and it has all of the Steelers wide receivers. You mentioned those guys who are matchup proof guys who are going to be in every week. And going into the season, I was pretty optimistic that these Steelers wide receivers were going to be those guys. I'm like, man, these guys are so talented. This team is still a decent team. Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing. He'll get it done. And I think that they'll be able to sustain bad quarterback play, but that mentality has shifted for myself now Pickens did not look good against the defense and I I do think that this is a complete wide receiver room I don't think this would be the week that I'd be willing to take a dart throw on any of these guys and that's kind of how I look at all of them is I I think that kind of like in the Chiefs offense who you don't know exactly which wide receiver is going to eat every week I think that's very similar for this wide receiver room because Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool and George Pickens are all very good wide receivers the Steelers played the Eagles this week and the Eagles have a top five passing defense the matchup is disgusting I don't trust Kenny Pickett at this juncture to get the ball in his wide receivers hands I would sit any Steelers wide receivers that I had. Yep, agreed. And my final sit is Mr. Rondale Moore. This is going to require me to eat a little bit of crow because um, you know we mentioned it last episode. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning of this episode. I thought Rondale Moore was going to have a good, uh, good outing last week, but it's clear that this Cardinals offense really wants the ball in the hands of DeAndre Hopkins, which is not surprising because he is a very talented receiver. Um, Rondell Moore is good. And I think he's got an opportunity to get some catches and do some things with those, uh, with the ball here and there. The problem is, is similar to what you said about the chiefs wide receivers. It's going to be difficult to rely on him because now these weapons are starting to come back into this offense a little bit. Kyler Murray hasn't been totally efficient with the ball and Hopkins is clearly the wide receiver one and the person that they believe is going to make the plays. So for me, Rondale Moore is going to have some boom weeks, but he's just not trustable. And starting this week, it's just going to be hard for me to put him in the lineup outside of, uh, you know, if I'm in a really, really bad situation. I'm curious to know because I actually, I, I like, Moore is still in flex consideration for me in a PPR format just due to getting peppered. Like, would you rather play Scary Terry or Rondale Moore this week? Scary Terry. Okay. Would you rather play Deontay Johnson or, or Rondale Moore? Mm, those are both pretty gross. I'd probably go with the upside of Deontay Johnson. I think he's more likely to get the deep ball than Rondell Moore. And the thing is, is the, the thing that you said about Rondell Moore with getting peppered, I agreed with you 100%. I thought that that was going to happen. Even if they weren't real quality targets, I thought he was going to get targets. He only saw two targets last week, and it's because they wanted to throw the ball to Hopkins. Um, they did, and and here's the other thing to consider is that Rondell Moore, one, the one catch that he did have was a big explosive play. If anything was going to tell Kyler Murray, hey, I got to get the ball in this guy's hands, it's that, and that didn't do it. So like I said, Rondell Moore is going to have some boom weeks. I think he's still relevant, especially until Hollywood gets back. But at this point in time, he's just, I, I'm not confident enough in that to be able to bet on him unless I absolutely have to. 
Okay. I and I I don't hate that. I but it is also, you know, you, you stated last episode that the Cardinals are idiots or something, but um and they do idiot type like things sometimes. I'm not gonna argue that, but they also got two picks. The defense got two pick sixes in that game, which kind of helped with that game script of not having to throw the ball as much as the Cardinals typically do. So I, I just do want to state that as well as maybe there is a little bit of optimism that more can return to some relevance uh, sooner rather than later before Hollywood gets back. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's a fair point. The, the thing that really worries me is the target share that we saw from Hopkins, nearly 50% of the target share. So even if you increase to their normal, you know, 35, 40 passes a game, you're still talking about a, a maximum ceiling four more at like eight to nine targets. And that's assuming Robbie Anderson he catches take, those. That's not a bad flex. That's not a bad flex, but that's best case scenario. And we're not really including yet Robbie Anderson's role in this offense, which I think Robbie Anderson does now that he's playing with a semi-competent quarterback. I think he's got an opportunity to make a splash on this team as well. Yeah. Well, I, he's somebody who's interesting to me because I don't, he wasn't, he hasn't been much in quite a while, but I think it's clear that the Cardinals want to do something with him for obviously going to trade for him. So this last set I have this week is old Hendy, Darrell Henderson. While McVay has stated that Cam Akers will not play another snap for the Rams, this means that Henderson is the lead back for the Rams. The Rams are at, they're playing the 49ers this week, which is one of the best run defense. Actually, in total, they're one of the best defenses in the NFL right now, but uh, they're going against, like I mentioned, they're going against the 49ers who only allow 91 rushing yards per game. So it, it that's rough. The Rams are coming off of a bye. I think that this is going to be a, a game for the wide receivers. I think Cooper Cup is, is going to be healthy. And I would probably avoid Darrell Henderson if you can because this matchup is really gross. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, it, it's tough now to sit Darrell Henderson ever, just given his, you know, his workhorse role that he's going to have. Yeah. Um, but if there is a week to do it, I think it is this week. I agree. Okay, and let's move on to uh, to Scotty's hot take. Scotty's hot take. Scotty's hot take. <laughs> Scotty's hot take. That's a throwback to another podcast. I like it. Um, okay. My hot take is going to be sort of a continuation of a little bit of what I mentioned last week, but I, I've seen a lot of this guy in the headlines considering Cortland Sutton is the most traded player on Sleeper this week. People are bailing out left and right. So I just wanted to, again, put out the fire a little bit here, guys. Cortland Sutton is a top 15 wide receiver in terms of his usage. He gets targeted a lot. He averages over eight targets per game, which is perfectly fine for your wide receiver two or flex spot, which is where he's at. He averages 15.4 PPR games with Russ on the field. Russ is going to be back this week, and he's the third highest in air yards in the league. Now, the most important reason why I am not getting rid of Cortland Sutton is his upcoming schedule. He plays this week, the Jets. They allow the third most receiving touchdowns two wide receivers. The following week, he gets J-A-C, and they are top 15 in points allowed to wide receivers, and they are tied for the third most touchdowns allowed to wide receivers, and then they get Tennessee, which is second in terms of the most touchdowns allowed to wide receivers and top 10 in points allowed to wide receivers. The matchups are there, guys, and he is the one usable part of this offense. So I don't think Cortland Sutton's going to be a league winner by any means, but I also think he's going to be a very usable piece to plug into your lineups. Yeah, and Cortland Sutton is somebody who he should be in that wide receiver two role. Like that is that is the mold that I see him in. And currently he's wide receiver 24 on the year, which puts him right in that wide receiver two category. I like this take a lot because I think Cortland Sutton, there are better days to come for him. While Russ has looked mediocre at best, I he it's very clear that Cortland is the wide receiver one on this. So I I, I I'm glad you did this take because I actually own Cortland Sutton in our our um home league and I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on selling him. I wouldn't want to sell him because I think that there are brighter days ahead, especially with these given matchups. So this well, is, this is good. the other thing you have to consider too, is that one of those games, Cortland Sutton um, got, he was, he was benched in the second half. He did absolutely nothing. Um, and so you have this dud game also on there that skews the stats against him. And he's still, uh, you know, so good when it comes to, when it comes to all these statistics. Now it's true. The Broncos offense is just terrible and it makes you gaggy, but 
Cortland Sutton, again, is the one useful part of this offense, and they have good matchups coming up. You have to play the matchups. You have to rely on the analytics here. And I think Cortland Sutton is going to be bouncing back over the next month. Yeah, I, I agree with this. This is uh don't sell them, guys. Don't hit the panic button because there are brighter days ahead. Uh, typically, Broncos quarterback pronounce himself ready to roll. Bron- Broncos country, let's ride. Um, typically, we would do DJ and stuff here. Unfortunately, without Yeti here, and I, uh, we didn't really spitball anything for this segment. So we don't have any DJ and stuff. I will say in Vegas, a lot of DJ and stuff happened. Yeti got um, rather intoxicated very heavily intoxicated and bet a hundred dollars on the Titans money line last week. So, um, because it was his bachelor party, we all went in and also placed a hundred dollars and we were all Titans fans on Sunday. So it was a rather fun thing to do, but, uh, do not have any DJ bets this week. So let's, let's move on to the questions. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right. First question comes from D Dog ninety six ninety five. He was offered Jalen Waddle and Kenneth Walker for Josh Jacobs. He already has AJ Brown. Oh, you're gonna have to remind me who. Uh, what, what is that's, this? That's uh, Hopkins. Yes, Hopkins. Okay, thank you. Uh, and CD Lamb. So I'm not sure if I should downgrade my running back to get Waddle or not. Any help would be appreciated. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I really don't. This one to me is is interesting because Kenneth Walker is a lead back, but Josh Jacobs is the lead back. Um, Josh Jacobs just exploded this last week. That game was a good game. Um, I I might. I don't know what your other running back is, and I think that would kind of dictate it for me. I would certainly consider it. It depends on what your other running back is because if you if your other running back is having Josh Jacobs, you drafted him probably fifth round. So chances are you have like a Joe Mixon or an Eckler or somebody. I'm I'm not too sure, but I would I would guess you have one of those guys. If you did, I would probably do this trade because then you get more depth at wide receiver and that is something that's really really important as the season goes on. You can't predict injuries, but what you can do is hedge your bets with with good depth pieces and and matchups. And so while it's not comparable, Josh Jacobs is very obviously better than Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker still is a lead back in that offense. So I, I think I lean towards yes, but it would depend largely upon what what your other running back was, because if your other running back was like a Miles Sanders or something, then I, w- I probably wouldn't do it. But if you have a clear RB1, then yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of default in situations like this to don't fix what's not broken. You know, you got Josh Jacobs. He is the best in the league right now. Um, and so it's it's very tough to part ways with him. I think I'd probably try and get a little bit more. Josh Jacobs is, like I said, the best in the league. There's no reason why you shouldn't more? be able to take home the farm with him. I Yeah, I, I maybe get one more bench depth piece and see if it's possible. The thing is, is you don't need this trade. Uh, and that's why I think you should try and milk it for everything you can. Now, if the manager's absolutely like, okay, this is a final offer. I'm not going anywhere with this. I would consider it, um, but I would first try and milk it for as much as humanly possible here because, again, you don't need to make the trade. Um, you know, you're sitting pretty well. The other thing that makes me maybe lean toward yes is the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, um, is, obviously he's played one game. He got a lot of usage but we don't know necessarily that that's going to continue. If you look at his numbers from last year, they were nowhere near what we saw last week. Um, So we're going to have to see if he sort of returns to the mean here or if he continues this crazy usage and ends up being, you know, top 10 wide receiver for the rest of the season. Um, So I don't know. I, uh, I, again, I, I think the what would sway it for me is going in and saying, listen, man, Josh Jacobs is the best in the game right now. Uh, I'm I, maybe give me a little bit more and see if he's willing to budge on that front and go from there. Okay, I think I probably would do it. I'm leaning towards yes. So that that's me. Jalen Waddles, I mean, he's wide receiver, what, seven on the year? He's doing great. And Kenneth Walker's certainly sufficeable. So I would personally do that, but that's just me. All right, next question comes from Evil Spork of Death. He's in a redraft one quarterback league, trying to make a big trade for a better playoff schedule. He would be giving Jalen Hurts, Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, and Najee Harris, and he would be receiving Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb, and Devontae Adams. He's worried about the Eagles having a legit chance at going undefeated or close to it and resting Hurts at end of season. Interesting. 
What do you think? This man is playing chess while half the people in fantasy football are playing checkers. And it's very interesting because he's like, yeah, I, I want these guys for the NFC. I love that. I love that you're doing that. Can you just take Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson off? That's my question to you. Could you trade Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, and Najee for Nick Chubb and Devontae Adams? Because I would do that. But what I wouldn't do is I like I I I you can't be concerned about Jalen Hurts, you know, them benching him for two weeks. I don't see that happening. They typically, you know, there might be a a fight for playoff seating. I you can't count on that. So I would and I like Jalen Hurts more than Lamar Jackson. So Maybe see if you can get both those out of the the equation and just roll with the other ones. Najee Harris is I I don't like Najee Harris, um, and Tyreek Hill certainly usable. Adams is probably at about that same level. So then it's just Mike Williams and and you're getting an upgrade with Nick Chubb. So I would do that. I would see if you can get the quarterbacks out. That's my recommendation. If not, and you can't. Mike Williams is out for four weeks and Najee's not usable. I still tend towards yes. I would still probably do that. Um, but I would see if you can get the quarterbacks out. Yeah. I mean, if you can get the quarterbacks out, that's a smash play because you're trading, you know, one wide receiver one and Mike Williams, who's kind of, I mean, he's he's good, but he's kind of boom or bust and he's not going to be on the field for four weeks. And then Najee Harris is looking pretty rough. Um, so if you're able to get Nick Chubbs and Javante Adams for them, then yeah, that's a smash play. But I have a hard time believing that trade will go through. Um, I think the biggest thing that's going to sway you here is who's your other running back. Cause you likely drafted Najee at the end of the first round. So who else did you get? You could have Josh Jacobs. Yeah, you could. I mean, you, you could, you could be fine, but if you are struggling a little bit more, um, then that upgrade to Nick Chubb, I think is going to make a big difference for you. And even though Jalen hurts is, uh, you know, better than Lamar Jackson in terms of fantasy output, Lamar is still, you know, great. Um, and then getting Nick Chubb and Devontae Adams uh, would be would be great. So if you are if you're solid at running back, even with Najee, um, then, you know, don't do anything that's going to hurt you. But if you are struggling a little bit more at running back, I think I would I would accept this it trade. is. It, well, and I, I actually looking at, you know, thinking about this a little bit longer. It is also worth noting that, that Deshaun Watson is going to be coming back week 13 and that could affect this run offense just a little bit with Nick Chubb so not to state that I think Najee's better because Nick Chubb is still way better than Najee but um and Adams it's looking like Josh Jacobs is kind of taking over for that team where they're not having to throw as much or not willing to throw as much which hurts Adams production so I do want to state that and just to to play devil's advocate here because it, it is kind of an interesting thought yeah well and that's the reason why I think we also talked a little bit about Nick Chubb two episodes ago where he's got a pretty tough schedule coming up here and then with the addition of um, uh, of Deshaun Watson could affect that as well so Nick Chubb is not going to be the Nick Chubb that we are uh, we've known so far uh, going forward I think and he's still going to be great but he's not going to be at that level I don't think so it, to me it really all depends on if you really need a running back because um, if you if you don't really need a running back I don't necessarily think you have to make this trade. Um, but if you do need a running back, I think you go ahead and accept it. Okay. All right. Next question comes from FF God Zero. He is in a 12 team PPR redraft league. Which side are you taking, Amari Cooper or Boyd and Gus Edwards? I always find it kind of funny when people have like the name like fantasy football God, but then they like they come and ask questions and stuff. I just find it to be kind of funny because I'm like, that you're supposed to be the god at this, unless they yeah, just really like definitely. God and fantasy football, like separately of each other. Mm, like they should have put a comma in there, fantasy yeah, football and or like God a hyphen, yeah, like or an and <laughs> sign that'd work. Um, <laughs> to it's Amari Cooper for me. Uh, Amari Cooper is even without Deshaun Watson, and that's that's another point uh, I'll bring up here. Amari Cooper certainly usable. He's been doing actually really really well this year. Uh, he's wide receiver 12 on the year with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. So I think that only gets better with Deshaun Watson being there. And it's exciting. Tyler Boyd is boomer bust every single week. He's not somebody. It, the only time I would want to own Tyler Boyd is in a best ball format because he fits that mold perfectly. But you can't trust starting him in fantasy most weeks. And then Gus Edwards. Um, I mean, he was a popular waiver wire ad this week. While an intriguing thought process. Uh, it is worth noting that I think you talked about a little bit last episode there, Scotty, that he was only on the field, I think, 36% of the time. And he did a lot with those, but he also, you know, wasn't on the field all the time. And uh, mm. if he plays a tougher defense than what he did last week, that could change drastically. So he's a sell high for me. And Tyler Boyd having the week that he did last week is also a sell high. And I think you win that easily with Amari Cooper. 
Yeah, I agree. I think you take Amari Cooper on this one. The thing about Gus Edwards is, you know, I put in a waiver claim for Gus Edwards. Um, you know, at the, with the running back position the way that it is, I think he can add value. But again, only seeing 36% of the snaps. And on top of that, um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but Gus Edwards saw um, like like 21, uh, 21, no, let me think. It was six, 16 carries. So I think he saw 16 carries. And then we also saw, um, you know, the other running backs in this offense getting pretty similar usage uh, in terms of actually touching the ball. So Gus Edwards did a lot with what he had. His two touchdowns really carried him through the week. If he didn't have those two touchdowns, you're talking about a seven, eight point week. Um, and so that makes a that makes a big difference. So I think he's usable, but I'm not breaking the bank for Gus exactly. Edwards. And I think Am- Amari Cooper is is the better option here. And like you said, he's only going to get better as the season goes on with the addition of Deshaun Watson. So I uh, I like Amari Cooper a lot. I'm taking that side. It is also worth noting. I mean, they played Cleveland is not a great defense. They're ranked 24th for rush. So they're allowing 135 yards per game rushing. So that they the matchup was it was there for him to to be able to do decently well with what he did. But yeah, I I would take Amari Cooper in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, next question comes from Guapo. That sounds like a racial slur. So I don't know if I should have said that. Yeah, maybe Guapo. That sounds better. Um, okay, would you rather have Kenneth Walker or Cortland Sutton rest of season? This seems like an easy one. Yeah, I mean, in a, it's got to be Cortland Sutton, right? But um, it also really, well, I actually think this is kind of fair. Because mm, I, I I think it's Kenneth Walker easy. I'm taking him every time. I yeah, I think it's Kenneth Walker as well. Probably the more that I think about it, I'm pulling up his schedule here. Um, he's got a pretty good end of season schedule, and he is seeing a lot of touches. Yeah, it's going to be Kenny Kenny W for me. Yeah, for sure. Don't overthink that one. Go Kenneth Walker. Uh, next question comes from Balaki. They're in a keeper league, and this is their oh, it's a keeper superflex lead. Here is the trade. Should I trade Eckler? to acquire Olave and Devontae Adams and ETN. Yeah, I probably would do that. I'd part ways with Eckler for that because all three of those guys, with the exception of maybe kind of Olave, um, are all like people who are in a starting lineup. They're going to be, they're almost those untouchable guys who are the matchup proof guys like you mentioned. And Olave actually, I mean, he's having a hell of a year too. So yeah, in a heartbeat, I would do that. Agreed. Nothing to add there. Final question comes from Eli Salone. He says, so my fantasy football season is starting to slip away and I'm in need of a win. Should I start Pollard, Henderson, or Foreman in my flex? Well, Mr. Sloan, we talked about Henderson as a sit of the week, so I'm going to stick true with that. But I think this gets more interesting. If Tony or if Ezekiel Elliott does not play this week, and it is Pollard, Pollard is easily the smash play here, in my opinion. Um, Foreman had a good week last week, which was really, really weird, considering the fact that they were playing a really difficult defense in the Bucks. That whole Bucks team looked like it didn't show up to play, and uh, and Foreman did well. But I want to see this trend continue. I think if Zeke plays. I think it might be Pollard for me this week because even if Zeke plays, he might be on a limited snap count and that would make it Pollard for me. So, um, or Pollard be involved, which would, would do it for me. So I think it would probably be Pollard. If you don't want to do that, I'd probably dart throw Foreman in there personally. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. I, I personally think you're probably going to be fine with any of these guys, even though Henderson has a touch back matchup, he's still going to be the bell cow there. He's still going to get a lot of touches. Um, so I, I think you're probably going to be fine with any of them, but I would rank Pollard first. If Zeke is out Pollard, obviously smash play. The thing about Foreman is that Hubbard is still kind of dealing with this nagging injury as well. The injury that took him out of the game early last week, initial reports said that he wasn't going to miss any time, but I think he was still limited in practice, uh, as of today, Wednesday. So if Hubbard, for whatever reason is not playing, um, and Zeke is playing, I think Foreman might be the bet. Um, but outside of that situation, I think I'm going to go Pollard, but I wouldn't be upset with any of them this week. I think they're all going to be uh, usable flex options. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where you're at, I think. Um, I didn't realize Hubbard was still sidelined, yeah, with the ankle injury. So that makes things interesting. But um, that's it, right? That's all the questions? That is it. Perfect. Well, then we're all done. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Hopefully next week we will have Yeti back here. But, Scotty, you have done an incredible job last episode and filling in with Yeti. Um, what does he always say? His voice is your voice is a little bit more feminine or his voice. Yeah, his, is more his, feminine? his voice is girly. 
Okay. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. He just really brings down the podcast overall. Just not a great <laughs> asset for us. Thinking about trading him away since he's on the IR. Yeah, no, now's the time to sell high on Yeti. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, if you are not following us over on Twitter, you need to do so. It's really, really important. We're giving a lot of pertinent extra information over there that is not on the podcast and uh, keeping our listeners updated. So it's a good time over there. Good community of Brainiacs. Go check it out. And the last thing, if you would feel is so generous, maybe just uh, hit the subscribe button on whatever uh, podcast platform you are using. It means the world to such a small podcast as ourselves. So that's it. That's all the time that we have. And we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.